Turn with me in the scripture, if you will, to the book of First Samuel, chapter number 25. Uh, Brother Daniel, each week, if I don't give him enough, enough pages of notes, he asks where I, what I did with his pastor. Um, because he's used to getting, and I came to him today and I said, I brought your pastor back because these are my notes, people. And uh, so just sit down, buckle up, and we'll, we'll get you out of here by 3 o'clock. It's not even a funny joke, is it? Samuel chapter number 25, without any ado, let's get into the Word of God. Uh, and I'm going to be reading lengthy. I, I was going to have a stand, but we've been standing for worship for quite some time. And I'm going to be reading uh, the, the bulk of the chapter. Uh, but, but let's begin reading in verse number 1. Then Samuel died. Everybody say, Samuel died. And the Israelites gathered together and lamented for him. Brother Daniel, as you are pulling that up, I did not give you this instruction. Please put the New American Standard Version in on the screen. Because that is the one that I'm going to be preaching from today. But I, I, I'm actually reading here. Is this it? No? You're working on it? Okay. I'm going to continue reading out of the New King James until he gets that changed over. Then Samuel died, and the Israelites gathered together and lamented for him and buried him in his home in Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. Verse number 2. Now there was a man in, in Maon whose business was in Carmel. Everybody say his business was in Carmel. And the man was very rich, and he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. And it came to pass uh, while he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the man's name was Nabal. Now verse number 3 is an, inter, is an interjection. So, we, so he, it's just the, telling you who the man was. Now the man's name was Nabal, and his wife was Abigail. And the woman was intelligent and beautiful, but the man was harsh and evil in his dealings. And he was a Calebite. Everybody say a Calebite. That David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. So David sent ten young men and David said to them, Go to Carmel, visit Nabal, and say to him in my name, and you have had peace with you and peace to your house and peace to all that you have. And now I have heard that you have shearers. Now your shepherds have been with us and we have not insulted them nor have they missed anything all the days that they were in Carmel. Ask your young men and they will tell you. They'll testify of it. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes for we have come on a festive day. Please uh, give whatever you find at your hand to your servants and to your son David. When David's young men came, they spoke to Nabal according to all the things that David said in David's name. And then they waited. But Nabal answered and said to David's servant, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? That there, there are many servants today who are each breaking away from his master. And he says, Then shall I take my bread and my water and my meat that I've slaughtered for my shearers and give it to the men whose origin I do not know? So David's young men retraced their way and went back and they came to him and told him according to all the words. So David said to his men, each of you gird up his sword. So that each man girded his sword, and David also girded his sword. And about 400 men went behind David, while 200 stayed back with the baggage. <laughs> There's always got to be someone to stay with the baggage. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master. And he scorned them. 
Yet the men were very good to us, and we were not insulted, nor did we miss anything, as long as we went about with them while they were in the fields. And they were a wall to us, both by day and by night, and all the time we were with them, tending the sheep. Now therefore, uh, know and consider what you should do, for evil is plotted against our master and against our household. He is such a worthless man that no one can even speak to him. Now this is his servant that is going to, to Abigail, his wife, and saying, our master is a worthless man. You have messed up as a leader if your people that are underneath you are saying that you are a worthless man. Uh, don't get to that place. That's free teaching this morning. Don't get to the place where your people say that you are a worthless man. Every translation has a new adjective in that place. Uh, but if you go through and read them, it's kind of fun to see what all his people were calling him. But it's a shame at the same time. Then Abigail hurried and took 200 loaves of bread and two jugs of wine, five sheep already prepared, five measures of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins, 200 cakes of figs, and loaded them onto donkeys. She said to her young men, go before me. Behold, I'm coming after you. But she did not tell Nabal. It came to pass uh, as she was riding on her donkey and coming down by the hidden part of the mountain that behold, David and his men were coming toward her. So she met them. Now David had just said, Surely in vain I have guarded all that this man has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed and all that belonged to him. And he has returned to me evil for good. May God do so to the enemies of David, and more also, if by morning I leave such as one male of any who belong to him. When Abigail saw David, she hurried and dismounted from her donkey and fell on her face before David and bowed herself to the ground. As she fell to his feet, she said, On me alone, O Lord, be the blame. And you, and I'm, I'm sorry, sp uh, please let your maidservant speak to you and listen to the words of your maidservant. Please do not let my Lord pay attention to the worthless man, Nabal. For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is within him. But I, your maidservant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. She said, you sent them to the wrong people. Now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, since the Lord has restrained you from shedding blood and from avenging yourself by your own hand, now then let your enemies and those who seek evil against my Lord be as Nabal. Now let this gift which your maid servant has brought to you, uh, to my Lord, be given to the young men who accompany you. Please forgive the transgressions of your maid servant, for the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house, because my Lord is the fighting is fighting the battles of the Lord, and evil will not be found in you all of your days. Should anyone rise against you and seek your life, the life of you shall be bound in the bundle of, the living, of living with the Lord your God, but the lives of your enemies, will, he will sling them out as in the hollow of a sling. And when the Lord does this for you, all according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you, and he appoints you ruler over all of Israel, this will not cause grief or trouble your heart both having blood, uh, shed blood without cause and by uh, having avenged yourself. When the Lord deals well with you, then remember your maidservant. I want to speak to you for just a few moments today on the fruitless fool 
the foolish fighter, and the faithful intercessor. The fruitless fool, the foolish fighter, and the faithful intercessor. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray one more time over your word. God, I know that your word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. God, I pray today that it would be just so sharp in the lives of believers, in the lives of unbelievers, Lord. Let your word be followed with signs and wonders following, God, that people would be converted if they do not know you. Lord, let them know you this morning. God, teach us your ways. Lord, hide your word in our heart that we might not sin against you. I pray over the ear of the believer right now that they would hear and it would find a pathway into their heart and be on fertile soil planted, God, that it would bring forth fruit in this season. Lord, we thank you and I pray that you would anoint me as your your vessel, God, as as your voice today to your people. Anoint me for this hour, God, and let me be a blessing to your people in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. And amen. The fruitless fool, the foolish fighter, and the faithful intercessor. There are three characters that are described in this series of scriptures that that are very prevalent and I believe that are very relatable to us today. I believe we can find even sometimes pieces of each one of them within ourselves. But today I want to dissect these three types of people that are here uh, that we can witness uh, in this scripture. And the first one that I want to talk about is the fruitless fool and and there's three th- there there are several things but three things in general that caused him to be the fruitless fool and we're going to find these three things that uh, are kind of parallels between the people throughout these scriptures but the 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 three things that we're going to look at are are foolish placement if you're if you're taking notes take this down foolish placement foolish thinking and foolish answers these are the things that make the fruitless fool the full, the first thing that we need to look at is the foolish placement if you go back to the very beginning verses of this passage you will find that Nabal finds himself in an area he is now in the wilderness the bible says that he they, that he went down now there was a man in Maon whose business was in Carmel and so you find that Nabal is in an area of Maon when his business is in Carmel. He's not where he's supposed to be. He's in a new place. And, and sometimes we find ourselves in places and we end up doing foolish things. Sometimes we are the faithless fool because we find ourselves in the placement that God has not called us to be in. And sometimes we are in a place where we got no business being. He, he had no business in Maon. Well, you say, well, what's the big deal? Well, Maon is on the south side of Judah. And during that time, Maon was an, a gathering ground for thugs and thieves. And so he was doing his business, handling his business among a crowd of people that were there and they were looking for people to be to take advantage of. And so many times as Christians, oh, I, I could stay right here and start to preach for a minute. I don't have this in my notes and I've got five pages. So watch out. I but I've come to tell you this morning that sometimes we think it's okay for us to go into the area that God doesn't want us to go into, to go hang out with the crowd that God doesn't want us to hang out with, 
to go to the parties that God doesn't want, to never desire. He said, abstain from the very appearance of evil. But sometimes we think it's okay. I'm going to go do a missionary dating process where I go get a heathen and I try to attach myself to them. And I think that the Spirit of God in me is strong enough to get the Spirit of God inside of them. But I've got news for you. You've got no business being there. That is not where your business is to be conducted. I've come to tell you if you are a child of God, then your fellowship should be with the saints of God. The difference, the problem with the church today is we can't separate the church from the world and the world from the church. Why? Because we all intermingle way too much. There was a time when the church was a sanctified people, a separated people, a people that was set apart for the purposes of God. And guess what? The world may have made fun for a little while, but when the going got tough, everybody in the world said, I know there's a peculiar people over there. And if I need something done and everything else has failed me, I'll turn to the church. And then God was there to meet them. But today we look like the world and smell like the world and there's no separation. And we find ourselves doing business with the world. And the church's business looks like the world's business. And the world's business is intermingled in the church's business. But I've come to tell you the world has no business in the church. The world has no business in the church. We have no business being where we're not supposed to be. Oftentimes we find ourselves playing the role of the faithless fool because very first we put ourselves in a predicament, in a place where we should not go. Second thing that made him the fruitless fool was foolish thinking. Nabal was wise enough to know that his shearers needed protection that his shepherds needed protection. This man didn't get to have 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats and have this big empire that he had without having at least some kind of worldly smarts. He understood, he was smart enough to know that you don't send your people out into the field unprotected. He knew they needed protection. But his foolish thinking was this. It was customary in the day. The reason that David even was in the area where he was at was because off-duty soldiers in a time when there wasn't war would, would literally be hired as protectors for shepherds and shearers in the field. And so David took his troops there for the purpose of being protection over these thieves and thugs to shearers and shepherds. So David is there for a purpose. David has a reason for being there. And it was customary that, that, a, that a ruler or a, or a wealthy man would pay the off-duty soldiers to protect his shepherds and shearers. However, the Bible doesn't tell us anywhere. Now, we just read down through the passages. The Bible does not talk about a negotiation or a contract or a deal that was struck up between David and Nabal in any way. It goes down to talk about afterward, David went for payment, but it does not go on to say that there was ever a deal made. Why? Because Nabal's foolish thinking was that if I don't make a deal, if I don't, if I don't get in here and negotiate, if I don't get in here and put a price tag, but I just go ahead and take the protection, then I can get out of the payment in the end. Some of you are finding yourselves playing the role of the fool because you have tried to get in and skate under the graces of God and get the protection
protection of God and get the love of God, but without paying any price of walking the life of a Christian. You think that you can come in to the church on Sunday and just live a nice, easy little life and come in and skate through and pray your prayer on Sunday, but then, I don't know why I'm preaching it this morning, but the Holy Ghost is in the house anyway, and you don't even I don't even have to get an amen. I'm still going to preach. I've come to tell you today that foolish thinking will cause you to go into the house of God and say, I'll take the provision, but I don't want to pay the cost. I'm not going to enter into any contract with God. I'm not going to give my life to Him because that requires me paying something back to God. That means i got to live for God. That means that I've got to pay for this, but I'm just going to skate under the, the guidance. I'm going to live on Mama's faith. I'm going to live on Daddy's faith. I'm going to live. I'm just going to go and play the games, and if it makes her happy for me to be in church with her on Sunday, then I'm going to go to church with Mom. I'm going to go to church with Grandma, but I'm going to live like the world, and I'm going to do what I'm going to do me all week long, and I'm going to do what thou wilt. But I've come to tell you that thinking like that is foolish, faithless thinking, and it will get you nowhere except for death. Nabal was trying to get something of great value for free. He was trying to get it without asking for it. He was trying to get it without paying for it, without effort, without the humility of having to ask. Nabal was... Nabal Nabal knew, and this is what I love, Nabal knew who David was. You remember, we just read the scripture. He said, who is David? But then he goes on to ask this, who is the son of Jesse? Now, the men never said that David was the son of Jesse. Nabal knew who Jesse was. Matter of fact, you remember the, the, I think it was verse 3, the one that was in the parentheses, that talked about who Nabal was, and it said he was a Calebite. Do you remember that? reading that and Nabal the Calebite meant that he was of the house of Judah he was of the lineage of Caleb Caleb had a great lineage but I've come to tell you today if mom has a great lineage and dad has a great lineage and great granddad has a great lineage and they all were servers of God but you try to get something for nothing or skate in on the coattails he was trying to skate on the coattails of Caleb his ancestor but that wasn't good enough because he was an evil man and the the word of God remains remembers him as a foolish and faithless man who was evil in his doings. I'm come to tell you, I don't care what your heritage is. They sowed up mercy for you, but you have to re, you have to be responsible enough to reach out and accept God and accept the grace of God and be hum, humble enough to ask for it and then be be practical and principled enough to live by the principles of God. He was a Calebite. He was from Judah. He was from the same place that David was from. They were kindred. So he knew who he was. Nabal knew who David was. He wasn't confused about who he was. But he he had foolish thinking. You see, he he said, I'm just going to keep my shearers. He knew who David was to the point that he knew David was a mighty warrior. He knew that David's men were victorious warriors. He knew that if I can just put my shearers and my shepherds near David's men, then they'll be protected. He knew. So he said, I'll just keep them near him, and, and, and then all, of, all that I want to get, I'll get for free. 
You may think that you're smart skating close enough to God or His people for protection from calamity, but your foolish ways will find you out. The third thing is this, foolish answers. Fools take and take and take without giving. When payment comes due, I need you to examine yourself today. I don't know why uh, the Lord led me down this, this way, but this is faithless, foolish thinking. There are, there's a mindset even within the people of God that, I, that I've come to break today that we, we get ourselves in a mode sometimes. And we've talked about this. Some of our board meetings, we've, we, and we're not, listen, we're not throwing stones and I've talked about it with many different people, but it, it seems like that in, within the church body there are a handful of people that are givers and givers and givers and givers until it hurts. And then there are another handful of people, people that know how to take and take and take and take. And they don't, very seldom do you find a believer who has really manifest in the gift of both giving and also being able to receive. Oftentimes it's I can either give or, I, or, or I'm a person that takes. It's one or the other. It's one or the other. But a foolish faithless person is a person who only knows how to take. I don't know who I'm talking to. If it's hurting your toes, just pull them up under the pew today. Pull them up under your seat. But I'm still going to go ahead. And can, I, can, can I preach on? Somebody say preach on. I wish I had a Pentecostal church to preach to today. And the fool, listen, the foolish, faithless person answers with foolish answers. They take and they take and they take without giving. When the payment comes due, instead of paying the bill, all they have is a condemning word. I don't know how many times I have watched people that are bad in their finances. I've watched people that have come to the place where the bill is due. I don't know if I'm preaching on you. I'm, I'm actually a little excited about it today. But you, you, you wait, the bill comes due, and then you say, you know what? That creditor is just a bad person. That creditor, I'm telling you what, that's a bad establishment. They're a bunch of they're a bunch of shysters and crooks and criminals. Anybody ever heard somebody talk like that? Uh, uh, you know what the, the root of the matter was? Is that you made a, a commitment and a contract to pay a bill that you didn't want to pay and so instead of making payment, you made a condemning word come out of your mouth. You know what you look like? You look like Nabal in the scriptures because he was the faithless foolish one who said when David came to get payment he said oh I don't have payment but what I do have is rejection what I do have is a condemning word who is David who is the son of Jesse everybody is breaking away do I need to go ahead and pay them and let me just be clear for you this morning in case you think that I'm on your toes for no reason I'm not talking about people who don't have enough money to pay their bills I'm talking about people who have enough money to pay their bills but they use it in other ways and then when the debtor comes and when the debt comes then they want to gripe on the one who gave them the loan or the whatever the case was listen I'm preaching better than anybody's talking today I know it hurts when you get into the people's business but listen I'm going to go ahead and do it and help somebody today in the house of the Lord I, I, I'm going to tell you uh, that there are there are many of us that God cannot bless because you will not break foolish cycles God is waiting on you to get it together. God is waiting on you to start prioritizing. I heard, I, I had an old pastor one time, he, pre, he preached a message on pride. And this is my one takeaway from that message. It has stayed with me from, for years. 
He said, you'll know you're a prideful man if you can't listen to someone, but you're always the one talking. If I got nothing else out of the message, that has stuck with me for 10 plus years now. From that day, from that day on, I made a commitment that when someone was talking to me, I would not cut them off. Because I did not want to be a prideful man. And I realized in my own life that, as I was, that I was guilty of that. There was something that was fruitful in the word that was being given to me that I had to take and make a change. I had to change and change my ways and change my... And so from that point on, I make it a point that if you're talking to me, I want to be... List, I'm not going to try and talk over you. Now, if you're going to talk for about an hour, I'm going to have to say, can I interject right here? You know, I just, I've got to answer the first eight things that you talked about. But, but you know, if not, I'm going to have to start taking notes. But I, but I try not to talk over people because I got something from that. And I want to help somebody out today because because... This is the same principle. And we're not talking about talking over somebody. And we're not talking about necessarily pride in this case. But I want to help you out. Because if every time the payment comes due, if every time the bill comes due, you start hating and deflecting onto the collector and the creditor, you are operating in a foolish way. No one created the debt except for you. You got yourself in there. God is faithful to get you out. But it's going to take some mindset changes and some priority changes and man I don't know who I'm talking to today but I hope when you leave this place you leave with victory today and you start operating and with different integrity in your finances I didn't even come to preach about finances has the board been praying I don't know what's going on you all know what I'm talking about so why is Nabal the fruitless fool because you can be as rich as you want to and still have no fruit in your life All of your selfish gains will get you no help when it comes to eternity. Second person I want to talk to you about today, the foolish fighter. Now we make David, he's always the good character. Today I'm I'm throwing him under the bus. He He represents the foolish fighter. And just like there was for the faithless fool, there was foolish placement, there was foolish thinking, and there was foolish answers. For David, there was foolish placement, foolish thinking, and foolish actions. The foolish placement is this. The very first verse says this. Then Samuel died. Then Samuel died. Samuel was the one who came to David when he was just a lad. He anointed his head with oil and he said, You will be the next king of Israel. But now the one who the one who pronounced the promise, the only one. Now David had heard from the Lord. David knew that he was supposed to be king, but his only other ally, the only one who had who the only other person who had heard from God about his calling was now dead. The one who spoke it over him. The one who was his his encourager. The one who was bringing his his rhema. The one who was bringing his, his meat off. The one who was bringing everything to David that was keeping him in his place was now dead. The reinforcement of his promise was dead. The only person on earth that had heard from God the way David had heard from God that he was to be king. The word of God through, uh, listen to me, I've got to tell you this, the word of God through a man does not die when the man dies. 
LRM, I want to tell you right now that what Mom Gwen started and the words that Mom Gwen spoke and the prophecies that she set forth over your life and the prophecies and the things she set in motion did not go to the grave with her. She was the oracles of God. She spoke, thus saith the Lord. And when she is gone, the word and the promise and the prophecy still transcends all of time. It, the word does not die with the prophet. You need to understand that today. David did not understand that. And so it says that David went down. Where does it say that he went? It says that he went to the wilderness of Perim. What happens is we get ourselves in the place where the one who spoke it over us, the one who was our backbone, our reinforcement, the spiritual father or the spiritual mother in our life passes away and they go on to be in glory and then we find ourselves, where do we run to? We run to the wilderness. And I want to tell you this, David had no business being there. Just like Nabal had no business being there. David had no business being there. He had a mission. He had a, he had a vision. He had a prophecy over his life to become king. And the wilderness is no place for a would-be king. I don't know who I'm talking to in this place today. But God's got a call on your life. And the wilderness is no place for you to be hanging out. You can hang out in the wilderness and circle the mountain for 40 years if you want to. But God is telling you that the wilderness is not your place of habitation. You're not not supposed to be there don't be in foolish placement when God has a promise on your life keep your focus on the sender of the word and not the carrier of the word keep your focus on the one who gave the word not who he gave it through foolish listen foolish thinking foolish thinking of David when you get outside God's will, you begin to lean to your own understanding. He's in the wilderness. He's hanging out where he ought not be. And then he says, I'm going to go do what all the other soldiers do. And I'm going to protect these sheep and these shearers and these shepherds. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out in the wilderness. I'm going to do what everybody else does. Now the prophet's gone, so I can just do what everybody else does. I can go back to the status quo. I used to live a supernatural life, but now the prophet's gone, so we can, calm, we can dumb things down a little bit. We can, we can mute things down a little bit. It used to be at this level, but now the prophet's gone, so I'm just going to do what, what feels good and what's natural and what the crowd is doing. And so David goes, and he finds himself in that place where he wasn't, uh, where, where he shouldn't be, but he, he starts to develop this this foolish thinking and you know what he did he said you know what I'm going to do what everybody else does and I think I'm going to go find me a cash cow and he said I think there's a guy named Nabal and what I'm going to do is I'm going to go protect his guys because I know he has a lot of money and he can bless my ministry and so I'm going to I'm going to go seek out the cash cow I, I don't know maybe I'm preaching to somebody on Facebook right now I'm probably not preaching to anybody in the room but 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 he was saying I'm going to go find a you know a rich shepherd and I'm going to go protect them and surely he's going to pay me well surely he's going to if I go preach that revival at that church I'm going to just preach to preachers on Facebook for a minute if I can go preach at that church I know they give good offerings so I'm going to you know what the prophets died the voice of the Lord is dead in my life anyway so I'm just going to go preach at that church because I know the offerings are good I'm going to go get in contact with that ministry because there's money to operate I'm going to go because 
because they have good programs and they have good protocols and they've got good leadership that are all on staff and everything else. But I've come to tell you that may not be the place where the Spirit of the Lord is calling you. Matter of fact, it's probably not the place where the Spirit of the Lord is calling you. He's trying to cultivate something within you and you need to get out of that foolish thinking. It's free today. Just take it and receive it. Somebody say amen. And when the day of shearing come, David says this. He says, now I'm going to go get paid. Show me the money. Only to find that Nabal has no intentions of paying you. You know what? You get messed up with the mob and then you go meet the mob boss and he's like, I can't do an Italian accent. I was going to. Forget it. My guy will be a Yugoslavian mob boss or something if I tried to do that. So I'm going to spare you. But he says, listen, I'm not going to pay. I had no intention of paying. I was never, I know I was going, I, I just can't help it. I get in character and for me that's very good. I don't know. Uh, my Yugoslavian, my boss. Jesus, help me. I've lost my place. Notice this. Notice this. David didn't inquire of God throughout all this passage. David is, if you read the book of 1st and 2nd Samuel, you'll see that David, before he was ever going to fight a battle, before he was ever going to do anything, it, it would say David inquired of the Lord. David inquired of the Lord. David inquired of the Lord. Should I go here? God, should I go here? He inquired of the Lord. Should I go to battle? They've come against me, God. Is it time for me to go out? And God would say, you shall go or you shall not go. Or you'll go around behind them and wait for me to hear me in the mulberry trees. And you'll, you'll hear the sound of the angels fighting for you. And then you'll know to go. And he would inquire of the Lord. He would, but in this passage, notice, David never inquired of the Lord. But... But he finds himself asking for payment for something that he didn't negotiate in the beginning. So this means that David acted on his own and did a good thing and expected kindness in return. This is the foolish thinking of many Christians today. If I give into the church, or I give, or I work here, or there, it will have to come back to me. I've got to get it. It's got to happen the way that I expect it to happen, because I have paid. Now, listen, I don't know, I'm probably not, I'm probably talking to the person to your left, so don't worry about it, it's not you. But I'm, but I'm telling you that many of us today wind up, we say, oh, you know what, they keep talking about tithe at the church, and so I'm just going to go ahead and tithe, and then the first week you tithe, you, you know, you put your $50 in the tithe bucket and then you say okay and you go back home and on Monday you're like open the mailbox and like where's my publisher's clearinghouse check God you know come on what happened I, 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 where's my where's the lottery ticket that I'm supposed to find on the ground that's got my million dollar return on it God what's going on and you, we, we think we got to give to God we, we all of a sudden we you know what I've got I've got this in my pocket and I'm going to be the big man on campus today I'm going to give and I'm going to I'm going to give it to God and I'm even going to be quiet about it but God you know I expect my return and I expect it on Monday and I expect it this way, and I expect this person who I hate to have to be humble enough to bring it to me. That's how we act with God. That's how David was acting. He didn't, he didn't negotiate anything with Nabal. 
He went and he said, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to expect the return when I say and how, and how I say. I'm going to send my guys over there, and they're going to get what I want because, because that's how it's supposed to work. The preacher gets up every week, and he says, if you give, then it'll be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and good measure, running over, and all this different stuff. And he talks about being a blessing to the people of God. And, and if I bless the people of God, then I'm going to be blessed, and I expect it to happen right now. That's where my faith, and we call that faith. We're saying faith says that I, I'm going to open the mailbox today, and there's going to be a big unexpected check in the mail. But I've come to tell you, God does not operate on your economy. God operates on kingdom economy. And, the, when, and he is waiting on you. I want to tell somebody today, God is waiting on you to stop dictating how he blesses you. And then he'll start blessing you. He will not do it your way. God will not do it your way. Why? Because he is a jealous God. He has to have all the glory. And if it happens your way, then you're going to begin to think that you have somehow got a role in this thing, but you don't. So he, he's waiting. He's waiting this morning on you to stop saying how you expect it to come. I'm preaching to the preacher today. The foolish thinking of Christians is that we give and we think it's going to come back. Let me help you with a couple principles here. I'm on page number two. We're almost there, guys. Let me help you with, let me help you with your thinking today. Number one, you must inquire of the Lord of where to sow. I'm gonna, I want to help some. I don't know why I'm preaching about finances, but I'm going to go ahead and preach on it. I, I'm certainly not as worried about it because I, I serve the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And if finances makes you nervous, then just get nervous. I want to help you with some principles today. You must inquire of the Lord of where to sow. All ground is not fertile ground. So you've got to inquire where to sow. David didn't inquire of the Lord. So he's here watching the sheep of a foolish man who has no intention of paying. You've got to inquire of the Lord of where to sow. Where to sow your money, where to sow your time, where to sow your work. Some of you have been waiting on the promotion at your job and it's not ever coming because God did not tell you. You didn't inquire of God on whether or not you should even work there. You've just been waiting. You know it's your turn. I've been, I've been sowing. I've been sowing of my work, but it, I'm not getting the increase. God never told you to go there in the first place and he will not promote you for the sake of you going into ruin. He's got a better plan for you. He's got a, got a better pro process for you. You've got to inquire before you sow never sow with the expectation of when and where your return is coming from that's number two I gave my tithes now fix my finances God I gave my time and my work and uh, pastor where's my position and title in the church I gave to missions now show me what they've done with it I've given in the offering now where's my new car I prayed for it, and I expected this week, Lord. We must remember this, number three, we must remember that God is the source. And that He is the one we sow into. When we sow, you don't sow into this church. Yes, you give to this church. But if you cannot see past this pulpit, and you can't see past those people, and you don't understand that as you give, you're giving into God into the kingdom of God, then you've got your vision wrong. God is the source. See, what happens is if you sow into the church, then the church needs to become the one that you reap from. 
And yes, we get our word from the church, but God said this. God will not be mocked. In whatsoever way a man sows, so also shall he reap. So, so if you sow enough finances, you don't reap that in the form of the word. You reap the word because of your faithfulness to come and sow your time into the church. And then you reap, you reap the, the time of the pastor and the time of the word. But you, when you sow your finances, if you sow into a church, then you, you, you need to begin to expect your return from the church. When, if you sow into God, then you look to God for the return on, on, on when it comes. It's up to Him. And where it comes from, it's up to Him. He is the giver of every good and perfect gift. We sow... We get it from him, and so we sow it to him. Everything that you have is already his. Everything. Every possession, everything you have, it's already his. We talked about this Thursday night. No matter whose hand it's going through or going into, it's still his. We are, we are pilgrims. We are temporary carriers of his blessing. Every gift that we ever give has passed from the Father's hand to our hand. And if we will act right, we will pass it from our hand to the next person's hand, but we'll understand that our hand is no longer our hand, but it's God's hand. Let me, I want to show this to you one more time just so that you see it. Every blessing that comes to you is from the hand of God, handing it out. No matter where it comes from, in the physical sense, every blessing that comes is from the hand of God. But then you become, the scripture says for us to be the hands and feet of God. We're the members of the body. But if you get that concept that everything you have is from the hand of God, then when your hand remains open and you carry it from your place to the new place and you hand it out, your hand is no longer your hand, but you're the hand of God. Because he reaches out and he takes it. And if his hand is open, he is received from God. And then he can hand it out. But his hand isn't his hand anymore. It's the hand of God. Praying for that shoulder in the name of Jesus. (laughs) I picked the only guy with rotator cuff surgery to pull his arm backward. (laughs) Praise the Lord. We were in the spirit. Just remember that. Foolish accent. Sorry. Foolish actions of David. I've got to move on. Foolish actions of David. This is the third thing. Foolish action. David's anger was stirred so greatly because he expected a return when and where he expected it from. He did not do it as unto the Lord, nor did he inquire of the Lord of whether or not to give. David is now headed to slaughter every male that Nabal has, including Nabal. He's going he's gonna to take away everything that the man has now because he expected to get a return on something he never negotiated for. Now he's getting mad. I don't know if anybody's ever been there before or not, but God, I sowed into your house. You told me about tithe. Now I've tithed for a whole month, God, and there's nothing, and I'm going to go down there. I'm going to whoop the pastor because, you know, I've got to take my fury out somewhere. I've come to tell you, I've only been in one fight, but I whooped her, and I, she, was a, she was a tough for for a girl, but I'm telling you right now, it, 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 you better watch out. You come messing with the pastor. <laughs> I'm gonna pray for you. Um, but but 
But God says, God says, you know, or, or we say to God, rather, we say, God, I have done this. I've done it, um, you know, all these different times. And now I'm just downright angry because things aren't happening the way they're supposed to happen. And, and I'm not getting the blessing I'm supposed to get when I said to get it. And now you get mad and then you want your fury to be poured out upon everybody. I, can I tell you that the scripture says, that says, be ye angered and sin not. Do you all know that scripture? And we use that scripture to say, that we can somehow get angry or indignant but we don't have to sin go ahead and get angry but don't sin let me help somebody today when you break down that scripture the be ye angered means let someone do something that should provoke you to anger but sin not means don't get angry it's not in God's uh, 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 design for you to be able to get angry there is not one person throughout all of the scripture who got angry and did not do something in his own wrath that affected people that it wasn't supposed to affect. You say, well, Jesus turned the tables of the money changers. Yes, but he was God. You are not God. I need you to understand that. God would get mad and in his wrath, he would pour it out in the Old Testament. Jesus overturned the tables, but anyone else in the scripture other than God himself, and when they got mad, their wrath would pour out on people that it wasn't supposed to pour out on. David is a prime example of this. He gets mad about something that he should business he should have never been in and then he finds himself getting ready to kill every male that Nabal has some of them didn't do anything to him. most of them didn't do anything to him. all of them didn't do anything to him except for Nabal and he's going to slaughter everybody Anybody ever get that kind of mad? I'm just going down there I'm going to take care of everybody I'm just going to wipe them all out just in case they're thinking bad thoughts That's how man works that's how foolish thinking works and gets us into foolish actions. How many times have we been ready to ride a person or a whole family off because they failed to meet our undiscussed expectations? Nabal failed to meet some undiscussed, unwritten expectations. And David was ready to write off his whole family. Everybody associated with him. How many times have you given up on somebody because they didn't meet your expectations that they had no idea you had? I'm preaching better than you're talking to me. God, listen... God doesn't make us a fruitless fool or a foolish fighter. Either one of these. He doesn't desire for us to be a, a fruitless fool or a, 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 or a, fa- a, 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 a foolish, fruitless fool <laughs> or a foolish fighter. Thank you, Jesus. But he's called us to be a faithful intercessor. He's called us to be a faithful intercessor. I will, I will be, I'm coming in for a landing. I'm, I'm not even close to done. But, but Abigail was the faithful intercessor in the story. This is what God's called us to be. He hasn't called us to be David or Nabal in this case. He's called us to be like Abigail. Abigail was the faithful intercessor. She was faithful in her placement. She was faithful in her thinking. And she was faithful in her actions. She was faithful in her placement. You see, the, the, the Abigail was 
the wise wife of foolish Nabal. He was proud and arrogant. And listen, Nabal would be the type of man, and I'm taking this, I'm, I'm assuming this, but, but he strikes me as the type of man that probably didn't tell Abigail his business. He, he wouldn't be the guy who would just share all the, the dealings of his day with his wife. But yet she was a virtuous enough woman to hear, to have the people in place to hear the business, the dealings of her foolish husband. How does this parallel to us? She was she, she, an intercessor. She was, listen, Abigail, this is probably the best picture of an intercessor. If you ever want to know about intercessory prayer, if you want to, you look at Abigail because there's such a clear picture right here of what intercession is. Abigail had ears to hear what was going on even though it wasn't given to her in plain public sight. She didn't know in the natural that David's men were coming to slaughter, but she had ears to hear that they were coming. A faithful intercessor has ears to hear and they're attentive to unseen battles taking place around them. Always ready to get in the thick of the battle. Because she didn't go running. She could have just packed up her stuff. Said, I hear there's an enemy coming and he's pretty vicious. So I'm just going to get all my stuff and the choice servants that I want and I'm going to leave. No, she went toward the thick of the battle. She had faithful thinking. She had no expectations that were tied to her giving. She, had, she, had, she was hoping for mercy. She was, she was asking that the debt be put upon her. Go back and read the story again. She came. And go to 21, Brother Daniel. Uh, 22, I'm sorry. 23, when, David's, and when, when Abigail saw David, she hurried and dismounted from her donkey, fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground before David. Verse 24, she fell at his feet and said, On me alone, Lord, be the blame. Let your maidservant speak to you. An intercessor says, I've got shoulders. Put it on me. I've got, I've got space. I've got strength put it on me she had nothing to do with what was wrong can I can I get you to understand today that Abigail had no sin in involved both David was acting in sin Nabal was acting in sin Abigail had no sin and yet she came and said put the blame on me help me to let me carry the load let me bear the burden place it upon me and let me begin to intercede for it Faithful actions. She says something. She says something here. That, that's so powerful. I'm moving. I'm moving on just for the sake of time. She had faithful actions. She, she came to David with a word from the Lord, whom he had failed to inquire into, and she told David this. I'm coming to you, put the blame on me. But I need you to understand this. I come to help you today. Because if you do this unnecessary evil, when you become king, it's going to be looming over your head that you took life innocently. You took innocent lives. And that there's blood on your hands. 
Can you find that scripture? Can you find that one, Daniel? Yeah. The Lord has restrained you from shedding blood and from avenging yourself by your own hand. And then this is what she does. By her own mouth, she pronounces a curse upon her own husband. Let your enemies and those who seek evil against you be as the Lord, uh, against my Lord, be as Nabal. Faithful actions. Faithful actions place God above anything and anyone else, trusting in his outcomes. She came with a word of prophecy. I, I want to submit to you today that potentially, Dave, this very action could have kept David from becoming king of Israel. Because God was just the type of God. We're talking about an Old Testament God here. We're talking about before grace. This could have been the very thing that he said, you know what? It was Moses' anger that caused Moses to not go into the promised land. It was because when God said for him to, to what was it, to, to, to bless the rock or to touch the rock, he smote the rock and it began to break. Why? Because he was angry at people around him. And this very same anger could have been the very thing that kept David from becoming the king the promise that God had in his life but an intercessor came to him and said let me help you let me bear the burden faithful intercessors reach never reach the place where they've arrived humility is in them I'm closing with this as you stand to your feet look what happens even after Nabal dies we didn't get this far but brother Daniel um, go to uh, bear with me go to verse number 40 Nabal dies Abigail the intercessor when, when the servants of David came to Abigail at Carmel, they spoke to her and said, David has sent us to you to take you as his wife. She arose, she bowed herself to the ground, bowed her face to the ground, and she said this, Behold, your maidservant is a maid to wash the feet of David's servants. A faithful intercessor never reaches the place you can do all she did all the good in this story there's not one person in this narrative who did any good except for Abigail but yet at the end of the story David goes to take her as his wife she's getting ready to be elevated she doesn't even know what it means to be the wife of the king she doesn't know what it means to be David's wife but but instead of saying instead of thinking my time's arrived now I'm getting ready to go and be in the in the king's house. And she knew the prophecy over David. That's why she spoke it to him and said, when you become king of Israel, let it not be a curse to you that you've shed blood innocently. Uh, but, but she didn't say, oh, he wants to make me his wife. Now I've arrived. The faithful intercessor says, I'll go be a servant. If you call me, I'll go be a servant. She took the opportunity to become a servant. Today, there's three people in this story. The foolish fighter, the fruitless fool, and the faithful intercessor. And I said before I started that, that we sometimes operate in, in any or all three. 
But God desires for us to all be faithful intercessors. God desires for us to live the life like Abigail lived. To be faithful to the cause of Christ. To never have arrived. To never have just gained to the place where we've reached the pinnacle of our success. Because if we do that, we find, we find ourselves in foolish places with foolish thinking, performing foolish actions. Bow your heads and hearts with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I have delivered your word. I thank you, God, that your word will never return void. It'll always accomplish the thing that it set out to do. God, there was so much meat in your word today. There's so many pieces of, of this picture that you have painted for us today, God. So many perspectives that we can see in, these, in this story of three people and their interaction with one another. God, I know that David was a mighty king and one of your most honored kings in all of history. But God, even he had mistakes and he operated foolishly at times. Lord, isn't it funny that he operated foolishly when he forgot to inquire of you, when he failed to inquire of what you would do? Lord, you would have given him direction, but you were so faithful that even when he didn't inquire, you sent a prophet in the form of Abigail to speak over him, to change his ways. God, you're giving us that same ability because of the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. We could have operated foolishly time after time, but God, your grace abounds. Where sin doth abound, your grace does abound. So much more. And Lord, under the sound of my voice, I believe there are people who have both been the fruitless fool and the foolish fighter when what you've called them to be is the faithful intercessor. God, I pray right now that you would change our hearts, change our minds, change our lives, change our actions, change our placement, change our thinking, God. Change our words to be that of the faithful intercessor. In Jesus' name, amen.